From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 218, and today I'm joined by filmmaker Justin McConnell. You know Justin from films such as Clapboard Jungle and Life Changers, as well as Broken Mile, Do You See What I See, and Black Christmas Legacy, and Skull World, as well as actor-writer Nicholas Corella. Nicholas is most known for the films that he's written, produced, and acted in, Prodigals, and After Party. And we're going to sit down to watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Total Recall. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen this film quite a few times, but I haven't watched it in a very long time. Uh, with me today, I, uh, I'll let them introduce themselves, but we have Justin. Hi, I'm Justin McConnell, and I have also, I grew up with this film. This and Starship Troopers and Robocop were the Verhoeven, I always mispronounce it, Verhoeven uh, trifecta of stuff that really twisted my brain as a kid. Well, one of many things. So, yeah, I love this movie, but I also haven't seen it for probably a decade. And hi, I'm Nick Carella, and I am the virgin on this podcast. Uh, I have not seen Total Recall. In fact, up until a couple of years ago, I thought that Paul Verhoeven was uh, Joe Asteris. I thought they were the same filmmaker. <laughs> so I thought that, uh, so now I'm like really and truly having my mind blown a little bit. So Who is Joe Asteris? I don't know. Oh, what's his name? With the person who did Basic Instinct. Oh, Joe, Joe Esterhass. Yeah. Oh, no, didn't, oh. no, didn't, uh, Paul did do Basic Instinct, didn't yeah. he? But oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe, are you thinking of Fatal Attraction basic. or did he do both? No, no. Joe Esther has wrote Fatal Attraction and Disclosure, not Fatal Attraction, sorry, Basic Instinct and Disclosure and a bunch of like 90s psychosexual thrillers. He didn't direct most of them, though. I understand now. So this is where Imagine so- being that guy. We're yep. like, you're the crazy social thriller sexual guy. We want you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. That's, that's the thing you're known for. I think he wrote Showgirls as well, if, if I'm not... I mean, again, this is one of those, like, I should have IMDb in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he also wrote Showgirls for, for, for Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, for the same that movie. tracks, given the yeah. other filmography. I, I'd buy that. We can look it up in between. Yeah. I mean, you're right, though. What a niche to have uh, the corner of the market, you know? Uh, well, that I, you're I, writing I, just mo- movies for, like, kids born in the 80s to have secret boners to. You know, <laughs> well, and that's just it. And Verhoeven, who, um, what did he just do just before this, Justin? Um, just before uh, Total Recall, yeah. He, uh, hmm, that's he a good, started, good question. Off, wasn't he, I can look it up too. He, he started off, Robocop was like 86, Total yeah, Recall was it, 1990. Are you sure that Robo, I know he Robo, did the fourth man before Robocop? I'm, this I'm is eight, this is 89. I feel like Robocop was before this. 
because yeah, that's yeah, what it was. Robocop because was like he, he was more of like a drama guy and like slightly mm-hmm. genre stuff. But when he came over here, for some reason, he got sent RoboCop and didn't know yeah. anything. Well, about it's, I think it's because he did Flesh and Blood with uh, with Rooker Hauer, and that was sort of a it, it used a lot of his uh, German crew, but it was mostly English cast, right? And that kind of I think that ended up bringing him bridging the gap to bring him to RoboCop. But it's funny, like he mentioned, I was reading and uh, watching an interview with him and he talks about RoboCop he's like, as if it was just supposed to be this weird one-off because he's like, it's not really what I, what I do. But because that movie was so successful, he got pigeonholed into this like weird sci-fi thing for almost yeah. the rest of his career. Well, I mean, now he's doing like just that con just now. He had uh, Bernadette or Benedette, which is like a psychosexual nun thriller. So, I mean, he's <laughs> that. Oh, one of them films. Yeah, yeah. And oh, actually, he did uh, he did Black Book in 2013, which is an excellent war film. Like, so it's not like he got pigeonholed. But in the 90s and like the late 80s to the 90s, he had a, a, a zone. He did Hollow Man as well, which was another sci-fi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of deal. He he did like four or five films in a row that were all kind of like heady sci-fi with. Uh, uh, social commentary woven and yeah. quite tightly. So Nicholas, um, I got to ask, cause like, just like Justin, I grew up with this film. Like this is one of those films I probably saw before I was allowed to see it. And I'll explain the moment why probably every eight year old boy was trying to see this movie. You'll know when you watch, when you see it, Nicholas, it's probably the only scene I know from the movie is okay. what you're going to tell you about an alien with three breasts. Yeah. Every, <laughs> little- all I know about this movie is an and- alien with three breasts and i'll tell you the first time i saw this movie was the vhs rental and i'll tell you when i when that got to that part in the movie you knew because it was like fainter you know how when people were wound over the same part like yeah there was like it just like, <laughs> just around that section the the tape got a little screwy <laughs> so people know. pausing people pause like think about i don't know we're all like aging ourselves here but you know it would stretch the tape yeah, yeah, being yeah, being that part to try to like pause, and you're like just a few seconds too late, then a few seconds too early, and <laughs> you need to try to pause that moment. Yeah, oh, I was more into Quato. I, I rewound a Quato. Oh god! Oh, don't, Quato don't mention don't mention Quato. So, Nicholas, <laughs> outside of the uh, that one woman, uh, what do you know about this movie? Okay, so I cheated just a little because I watched the trailer today. Okay. Okay. And that's all I know. So from the trailer, I know that. Well, even this is a little unclear. I know it's based on a Philip K. Dick short story, so I know there will be some twists and turns and commentary about capitalism, which I'm yep. hoping for. Um, and then I know that he thinks that he's a person, and he's not sure if he's a person or if the things that he's remembering you're great. are yeah. real or not. That's, that's all I know. That's you're going into it perfectly. Uh, now, question: Is this a movie that? You know, how is it, you know, given that this is a touchstone of a lot of people, I think, how is it that this movie came and went for you? Uh, I think, too. So if it came out, what did you say, in 89 or 90? So, yeah, I think 90. So, 90, 90. Yeah, so I was 9 or 10 years old when the film came out, so I was probably a little young. I was 8, um, man. I saw it when I was 8. I was, I was, I was 9. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't think I saw it until I was 12. And yeah, probably. You know, I saw it in VHS, so it would have been like 92 probably. So and it just was one of those movies that honestly, every time I saw footage from it, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just being weird. It's just, it always seems so weirdly desaturated. It just didn't, um, desaturated. yeah. You know, like every time I saw like a, a, again, when I saw it just looked desaturated and maybe oh, it's just because of the time. How was your TV whatever. color? Cause it's, yeah. it's a really colorful movie. Well, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. So I don't know. It just <laughs> didn't, it didn't appeal. But uh, my, my only funny story is that, um, 
uh, Michael Ironside's a family friend of Michelle's. Um, so uh, oh, that's my wife. For you're you're in for a treat. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah so, does so he remember every- this one? Because because uh, he doesn't remember a lot of his roles. So did he? Does is this one he has fond memories of? Well, this is the thing is that he would he would kind of so. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that since it, him and oh, so him and Michelle's dad have actually had some kind of either they've fallen out of touch over the last let's say five or six years, but before then uh, he seemed to remember and he talked fondly of it and I kept almost kind of like nodding and pretending as though I had seen the movie, you know, <laughs> like and what's crazy is that I also just this last week watched Top Gun for the first time ever. Oh, so wow. the thing is that it's like it's kind of crazy that like basically I would say his two most famous roles I had like no reference whatsoever in conversation with him. So I, I wish I had known, cause I want to do top gun in, in uh, advance of the new, the moon movie. I wish I'd have known you hadn't seen it, but that's okay. I'll find someone. I'll find a virgin for top. Gun. If I say, you know, it's crazy. Cause every person who I've told that I watched this week, everyone's like, what you've never seen top gun. And this is why I was just talking to Jeremy about this last week where it's like, um, you know, I have this crazy list of like, you know, I, I, I am sort of like a good guest for you because there are a lot of amazing movies I have not seen. Everyone you should do a, a Top Gun Firebirds double feature because <laughs> but, Firebirds is Top Gun with attack helicopters and Nick Cage and Tommy Lee Jones. And they, they complement each other pretty fucking well. Nice. <laughs> but but to your point, Nicholas, like, what I love about like just finding guests for this is like I'm always shocked by what movies people haven't seen, but in a good way. Because I know there's, I still have, t- I mean, I, you know, this is episode 200 and some odd, right? And I watch, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the kind of guy that watches, you know, three to 500 movies a year. And so, and wow. there's still movies that I haven't seen. You know, there's tons of movies I haven't seen. Uh, so everyone has like some well of black holes and some, and, but it's just, it's always, I'm always curious about why you haven't seen certain particular movies and whether it's like it didn't grab you or it just skipped over you or it was an age thing. Um, yeah, I think so. In this scenario, for sure, I think it was like an age thing and also a genre thing. You know, to be honest, um, I was, you know, especially as a as a kid. I know it sounds uh, like the time you would be really into sci fi and, and stuff like that. I just really wasn't like I, I like I was into like stupid comedies and you know, and myself even now today, like I'll, I'll always go for like a like a two hander, two hander, like bedroom drama any day, you know, like that's sort of like my, the the kinds of movies I like to watch that or like just something super light. Right. So, so yeah. So I I think that's part of it. Like I was never like a muscle car kids or like really into planes or into war or anything like that. So all these other touchstones that my, that like my friends would be into like, top gun or like predator or like whatever i was like i had no frame of reference whatsoever yeah well i'm curious i'll, I'll be curious to know what you think of this one because it's, it's kind of a different movie for schwarzenegger in a weird way this was my intro mm-hmm. this was my introduction i don't know if this is the same for you justin but this was like my introduction to schwarzenegger i think i'm pretty sure this is like the first iconic I think movie my first I saw schwarzenegger was terminator 2 judgment day i i think was my first oh, one. oh that i can't be sure you know what that might have or maybe true lies uh, True Lies was definitely after Terminator 2 for me. It was one of those, yeah, because that's much later. That's like late, mid to late 90s, 96 right? or 95 Yeah, or I definitely, yeah. yeah, Terminator 2 could have been my first one too. I definitely saw Terminator 2 before I saw the first one. Yeah. So, so this will be telling. My introduction to Arnold Schwarzenegger you was Twins. Was oh, twins. twins. You just said Twins, didn't you? Yeah, yeah Twins. Yeah. At least it's and, not Junior. I mean, that's, yeah. And isn't that, is that 88 Twins? So that might even be before uh, this. I'm not 100% sure. 
I think it might, I think it is before Total Recall. I, th- I think it is. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That was definitely one of my early ones too. I watched that one over. Well, you and know over what? Again. I did see Twins before I saw Terminator Terminator Two. Yeah, it might have been uh, Twins. I love Twins. Yeah, Twins is still. I gave that a rewatch recently, and like. There is not as much problematic stuff as I expected from terms oh. of the period. It's actually really holds up. And, you know, it's still that moment. I know we're talking about another movie, but, but that moment where, uh, where Danny DeVito realizes he's the leftovers, like, oh. it's such a heartbreaking moment, you know? He was all the shit. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, You're the yeah. shit. I remember yeah. that scene in the movie. It's so good. I got to, oh, fuck, twins. I got to revisit that. My, I, can probably watch, I could probably watch that with my kids. Yeah, yeah it's clean. Definitely it's clean. watch that with your kids. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw that when I was like nine. First yeah, time. that was like that was like probably like our version, like the latchkey parents' version of a family film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, my parents used to have a phrase for me when we would when we'd watch something that was like either had nudity coming up or some violence. My mother would turn to me at like six years old and say, "Are you mature enough to watch this?" And I would just be like, "Yep, yes, I am." Well, I saw TV edits a lot, right? And that like, was our so- way of basically being like, if you you know are naughty after watching this, you can't watch the next thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, the but TV like there was, was there was broadcast TV, right? So a lot of that stuff was cut out the first time I saw a lot of movies, right? Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing uh, oh that was that might have been because Red Heat was, was a movie from mm. the '80s with Schwarzenegger and James Belushi, and I definitely saw that. That was one of the first Schwarzeneggers I saw. I might have saw that before uh, before Terminator Two. Yeah, I um, didn't. But I saw that. I saw the TV version. Where I didn't it was, see. Go ahead. Sorry. Where it was cut down like crazy basically yeah. so it, it was it wouldn't have had much offensive stuff in it outside of like explosions and punches and stuff the, the worst version of the tv edit was i don't think i actually properly saw the goonies until it was released on blu-ray because i only saw it as a kid growing up on tv and it was always slightly different mm-hmm. uh there's definitely yeah, for sure i actually just watched see that's a movie i just rewatched too and i actually think that movie does not hold up and i the goonies, and, and, it's, it's okay it's, it's a big it, debate amongst yeah. people. Like, what? what you, I'm like, no, you remember it being a kid and loving it as a kid. Well, I remember it's, at, like, it's weird. At uh, Fantastic Fest, when I was there in 2015, they did a boxing match where it was the Goonies versus Monster Squad. And, I, and it, 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 that was such a, every, the, the whole audience was divided in half. And I'm definitely <laughs> on the Monster Squad side. Oh, well, I'm on the Goonies side for sure. I only oh, saw really? Monster Squad, but that's because, to Nicholas's point, I only saw Monster Squad as an adult. So I don't have that like nostalgia attachment to it. Right. Uh, well, so, I, then, so, so Wolfman has nards was not something you screamed in the schoolyard all the time. Like I did. Hey, Wolfman man. has nards. Well, here's, it's one of those moments where I'm like, when I saw that movie, I'm like, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> like I <laughs> yeah. flashbacks to child going, Oh my God. Now those conversations that I pretended to know what they were talking about suddenly made sense. Very, very Michael Ironside of you. Very Michael Ironside conversation of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should, uh, I'm going to watch this with my son, so I'll let you know how he reacts while we watch it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because that'll be uh, – I think it's appropriate enough for him to watch. We're going to find out. It's got some moments, but – It'll have some moments. It's okay. He's, Wait, you watched uh, – oh, you didn't watch uh, Southman Tales with him. You were going to. No, he's seen other stuff, though. He, uh, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm not as delicate with him as I probably should. He'll be okay. He'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's only it's only one more breast that he's seen on anybody else. That that'll be surprising for him. I can't wait for that. <laughs> he's like, "What? Are there people like that, though, Dad? Can you introduce me?" Yeah, yeah. Well, all let's right. get our ass to Mars. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we just finished. And yeah. 
All right, Nicholas, you're the uh, you're our version. So, what did you think? Honestly, I love that movie. Like from beginning to end, I I mean, I forgave some like minor plot hole stuff, but like uh, on I I was blown away by the fact that I'd never seen this movie. I was wasn't sure where it was going ever. Uh, I mean, there was one or two things foreshadowed for sure, but like I was in all the way. No. I don't know. I, I I don't know what to say other than just being like super into it. I love the pacing of the whole thing. I thought the, I, I mean, we'll talk about things individually, but like, I want to talk about how much I enjoyed. I don't usually like violence movies, but how much I love violence in this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, multiple kicks to the balls was always, always a Sharon, plus. I, I counted uh, this time. Sharon Stone gives him three solid kicks. One, yeah. Two hits and one kick. <laughs> And then Melina gives him a good grab too later. So I was like, man, they really are focusing on his junk here. But like, yeah, no, even stuff that I thought I was going to not like where I was like, oh, like, why aren't they explain? Like, I'm like, I hate when guys who are super ripped are just like regular people in the world. And it's like, oh, oh he's like a super spy. <laughs> like, oh, man, everything. I was really, really, really into this movie. Awesome. So you, so you mentioned cool. plot holes. So I'm curious what you see as a plot hole in this movie. Well, okay. When I say plot holes, I mean like, I was like, uh, I guess I didn't really realize that they would be able to harness the like hologram technology, you know, I uh, didn't, you know, I felt really like, I know sometimes like maybe, maybe I don't need to know, but like, I would love to know more about like that alien species, you know, like, so, like I think I could have maybe done with like uh, another 40 minutes in like the in the, you know, in the second into the third act kind of idea, you know, like once we knew they had to turn on the reactor, I could have gone for a little bit more explanation, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, overall, I, I mean, I mean, or, or like little things too, like just like how do they set them up so perfectly and all that stuff. But yeah, no, I, I, sorry. I'm, I'm talking all over the place because I'm trying to, that's okay. There's so many, well, there's so many individual, there's so many individual things I want to talk about, you know? So, yeah, there's, um, so in the novelization of the movie, they do get into the alien stuff, and apparently, like mm. the one thing that's missed that I think should have been included in the movie uh, somehow was that that the device left behind by the aliens is meant to be a test for like the final test for humankind, being that will they press this reactor and share the air, or will they be selfish and eventually let it destroy them? Which is what it's doing on Mars. Wow. Uh, so so the, does that mean it's the? No- does that mean the novelization is based on like the ancient aliens mythology of like the, the aliens seated us and they were, they're testing us at all times. Is that actually in the novelization or. Well, see, there's the, there's the Philip K. Dick original short story and then there's the movie yeah. and then there's the novelization of the movie, which right. is like kind of like a watered down. Ver- I don't know if it's, you know, I've never actually read the Philip K. Dick short story that this is based on. Yeah. We can remember it for you wholesale, I believe is the story it's based mm. on. Yeah. So I, um, um, I don't know if that's actually, if the alien stuff is in there, so it could be, but I know in the novelization it is. Hmm. Um, but yeah, this, so this was, this ended up being my son's first Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, when I first said, and I first said the name Schwarzenegger. He said, "Dad, you can't say that word." And I was like, "What? That's oh." He thought I made a, an ethnic slur. I'm like, "No, that's that's the name of a Whoa. massive action star from the '80s." Whoa! Wow! The fact that he hadn't heard of Schwarzenegger is kind of crazy. Well, and now I, I'm and I had be, to now I'm also going to be shy to say his name throughout the rest of this recording. No, that's fine. 
Uh, I, uh, and I had to explain to him, like, because I'm like, he's a huge, I mean, he's basically the Dwayne Johnson of his day. Yeah. For lack of Whoa. Uh, that's that actually a crazy thought. That's actually a crazy thought to think about. Like, I mean, relatively speaking, is, is The Rock a bigger star than Arnold Schwarzenegger? I know currently he is and has more followers and all that stuff, but like, in relative to their, to their times, no, I would I, argue I, I that Schwarzenegger know. was bigger. I think Schwarzenegger was bigger because there was less to watch back then. So there's less to watch. So he, there, yeah, more people knew who he was. But also, I think it's just like yeah. name, like there. Sure, you could say that The Rock is part of like big movies, but what's his iconic roles? Like name the characters, right? You know, where you look at like the Terminator, Scorpion like, King. Oh, I guess, but it's like, but the, he just kidding. Yeah, but Schwarzenegger had Conan, and that trumps the Scorpion King anytime. Oh, he had the true. Conan, he had the Terminator. Like, he played iconic yeah. characters, you know? Uh, and yeah. is in, in, in these franchises that we remember, like Commando. Like John uh, Matrix. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Commando, yeah, yeah. This, um, you know, what, I, I forgot about Kindergarten Cop, man. That came out the yeah. same year as this. Kindergarten Cop came out the same year as this movie. That was my other frame of reference movie, other than Twins. That was my other big short thing. Obviously, in Terminator 2, because, you know, that was like, mm-hmm. I think Terminator 2 was like, you know, in like that, that was that like 91? I think it was like. Terminator you know, was, 2 was later. Terminator 2 was like. His Guns N' Roses. The Guns N' Roses had that big song from that, from that, from that movie. And, you know, it was the first time we'd ever seen that kind of that, that metal, that, you know, whatever. Anyway, but still, I, but going back, is like, yeah, going back to the kinds of movies I would watch. Definitely like Kindergarten Cop. I think I've watched maybe 50 times. And, uh, you know. As a kid, you watch the cool. sequel at all with uh, Dolph Lundgren. Oh, I'm God. in the sequel. I'm actually You're in, the in the sequel. sequel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I play uh, I play hot single dad, Bernie the hot single dad. Oh God! <laughs> Which is a typecasting for me, clearly. But uh, I recently interviewed the the composer of the sequel. Uh, oh no, no, it wasn't some composer that I was interviewing referenced the sequel for score, and I'm like, oh, we're not going to work together. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You might have been good. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know. It's a Universal Picture movie. This is fair. So, uh, Justin, what was your thoughts rewatching this? How how long has it been since you've seen it? I'd say probably about a decade since I've seen it. Maybe a little less than a decade. Uh, But again, this is one of those movies I grew up with. Like, yeah, I've got it memorized. Being a favorite movie, so like down to yeah, exactly lines and key moments. But as I, as I get older, what I realize is how many character actors are in it. That Oh uh, God, I didn't, I never, I mean, I didn't, I didn't seen breaking bad before then. Yeah. But Aaron Norris is there under that heavy makeup, right. As, as Tony and uh, John Polito, uh, not Joe Pilato, John Polito from Crow and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, it is John Polito. Yeah. the, the, The whole movie is populated by people that, that you're like, Oh, I've seen them in tons of stuff since then. But when you're a kid, when you first see it and you know, I, it's just sets yeah. up this, this really detailed world that keeps un- unveiling more and more like a story, like a book, you know, like your turn, the next chapter, like raises the stakes and it raises the stakes. And, um, it's ultra violent. And uh, one thing I really like about it and, I, and it actually speaks to Schwarzenegger's character, but I never picked up on it until now is, when they're chasing him in the subway near the beginning of the movie and he grabs someone as a human shield and like that person guy gets shredded with bullets and it's almost like Schwarzenegger's character doesn't give a shit uh, about these people because deep down his, his agent doesn't give a shit. He's Hauser. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I didn't connect that until this point. Oh, I just never, I never thought about that at all until you just said it because it's just like, it's just senseless violence. 
it's just yeah. crazy. This the amount of people that are just randomly killed and nobody cares. Like even when they when they burst into the last resort, the strip club, mm-hmm. and you know the three breasted uh, uh, oh. lady of the night. She just makes a smart-ass remark and turns her back, and he shoots her in the back, and then he's like, "Kill them all." Yeah, I really, I wrote that. Down. Like, I mean, I had, I like made made a mental note to say, you know, that shooting a woman in the back as she walks away was maybe the most violent thing I've ever seen on camera or on screen, and, and I was like, but also, I felt. I know this sounds. You said senseless violence, but I felt like. Somehow it was all justified. I was actually really appreciated. Justified. Like I appreciated like like the fact that like evil people killed indiscriminately. You know what I mean? Well, and, I mean uh, that's very it, much it, a Vero even thing, though. But like, that's senseless. Vi- wouldn't you wouldn't you consider that senseless violence? Oh, it's not. It's right. senseless. I mean, in, in, no, it's senseless, but I, but consistent for the characters. I, 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 sure. I that was one thing. That was one thing I was going to say just about pacing in general too. Like. I think part of me has been used to, I think maybe, I don't know if you gentlemen agree, but I feel like now when you watch movies that have made like, like 2010 onwards, it like, I feel like you're fed all kinds of exposition. You know what I mean? Like everything, you can't be sit in mystery for even like 10 seconds. Like everyone needs, everyone needs to explain what just happened, you know? And I felt that in this film, I was like, whoa, when are they going to explain that to me? And they would pay it off. Mm-hmm. You know, but like they would let it unravel. They'd let me be slightly, I wouldn't say confused is the wrong word, but like skeptical or looking to to, to, to fill in the blanks like a lot. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah. I mean, for what it is at the time, it's a pretty smart, heady action movie. You know, well, it's structured it, like a neo-noir, though. It's not it's got tons of action, but the actual storytelling is closer to like Memento or After Hours or like, the, it, you know, little pieces of a puzzle getting put together like a and, chandler novel or something well sure. and, I, and ironically nicholas says how mentioned how it's like well they weren't speeding fooding anything there's two points in the movie where they tell you exactly what's going to happen in the movie mm-hmm. you know there's when he goes into recall for the first time and they say this is what's going to happen on your trip and more or less a lot of those things play out but then even yeah. when when the you know the uh, the quote-unquote implant guy that comes in, in the middle of the movie is like um, look i was sent here to bring you back to reality. He tells him everything. He says, if you kill me, the walls will come crumbling down around you. Literally walls start crumbling down around him. As soon as he, that happens, you'll kill me. You'll think I'm dead. All this happens. You're also going to, you'll probably be so confused and have such a breakdown. You'll think you're, you're best friends with the bad guy, but then ultimately you're going to save the world. All those things happen. And then we fade Mm -hmm. to white. So you could have the interpretation that, none of this is real and it's, that it is just his vacation. Yeah. And he does go, well, no, that he gets lobotomized by the end. Like, right. He says, if that's, and that's, if that's the case, you're on the earth, back on earth, you're having a bottom, you're being lobotomized. I will say that they did an amazing job in that moment because I, like, I, first of all, I love that scene. I thought that scene was really well acted. I wish I knew that actor's name when he started like, you know, basically screaming for his life, like really trying to convince him, you know? Um, but, uh, um, I felt that like they did such a good job in that scene in that I really myself as a viewer was questioning like it, it, it was plausible both ways right like really well, the movie designed ways. to not give away the answer right like yeah Verhoeven wants you to decide for yourself and I actually thought to myself the whole time I'm like I'm like oh the matrix could never have been made without this movie like sure, ev- yeah. every sort of like 
idea. But I mean, you know, it, it, there's so many things that remind like the, that I was reminded of the Matrix during this during this movie. But but uh, but I still felt that you know like just these great questions, these, these great existential questions. I guess this is what you can credit Philip K. Dick with, though, is like these great questions about like. I started asking myself in the first five seconds, the first five minutes of the movie, I was like, well, is actually having memories of a vacation what your vacation is? I'm like, I mean, I, I, that was my whole, like, does it matter if I've actually experienced anything, if I feel or, or, or you know, I feel as though I've experienced them, you know? It's like I, I started having a real mind trip. It really started making me think of uh, the movie Her as well, where I remember watching that film being like, well, is it weird to have, like, a, a love affair with, like, it's real for you, you know, it's real for you to have the, to be in love with a computer or whatever. So if it's real for you that you've gone to Mars, then it's the same as it, you have, it's the same as going to Mars really, you know, for you as, as, uh, as, as far as your own consciousness and existence goes, like I was really, you know, I, I was, I had to stop myself from having a bit of an existential crisis <laughs> during the film. All the money you've wasted on vacation. Yeah, no, 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 just, but just even everything being like, if nothing, like nothing is real. I remember you made me think like, well, nothing really is real, you know? <laughs> no, our perception uh, and, and our memories change with time too. So you, you're like my memory of this movie, for example, is different every time you watch it. There's that great scene in 12 Monkeys where they're talking there. I think they're watching Vertigo in a movie oh. theater. And the, the conversation is basically, you know, the, I've seen the movie a million times and it, it never changes. I do. So it, it's the perception you sort of bring to the life that you're going to live that shapes sort of, yeah, what your memories are worth and what they become as you get older and what they morph into and how you misremember. Yeah, of course, it's all malleable. You know, memory is existence, really. Uh, you know, every second that snaps by, you know, I just knocked on some wood, but that's now in my memory. So did I really do it or was it? I don't know. You, you can, you can start diving into those, those concepts all you want to, man, go ahead. But oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say like, so, I mean, this was the first time watching it. I started seeing all these little extra clues. Like even when he first plugged into the machine at the beginning, mm-hmm. the off camera line by the one, the one assistant where he says blue sky and Mars. All right. I'll add it. Or something yeah, like yeah. that. I'd never yeah. noticed that line before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't notice that line at all. Oh man. And also just before I forget, it's like, I knew this when I worked with her, but I totally forgot that Rosemary Dunsmore is in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I got a kick out of that too. Cause uh, I played her grandson in a, in a movie before. And I was like, Oh, Rosemary. And first of all, I'm like, like she looked great. She's like super young, you know? Uh, but it was like crazy. Like I, I, I started thinking, was this shot in Toronto? No, it was shot in Mexico. Yeah, everyone got. We can get into this, but everyone on the crew got sick. Verhoeven had a doctor on standby by because he couldn't stop throwing up because they all got the uh, the water bug sickness. Oh no! <laughs> the only the only person that didn't was Schwarzenegger until his because he, he brought his own personal chef. But then when his chef got sick, <laughs> he got sick <laughs> after. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I would like to say, you know, we're crediting Philip K. Dick for a lot of the underlying ideas, but the actual screenwriter behind this movie, like one of them is Dan O'Bannon, who co-wrote Alien and, and uh, Dark Star with John Carpenter. And like, there, there's some heavy hitter sci-fi writers actually on the writing team of this. Well, actually, I was going to say, I didn't want to take anything away from the screenwriter because I actually thought the script, like I thought the script was great. Like I, I thought that, I mean, I, I didn't read it, but I, assuming that the screenplay made it to the screen, uh, I was like, wow, this is a great screenplay. Like I would be, 
losing my mind if I was reading this on the piece of paper. You know, I want to I want to track down an earlier version because I've heard an interview with Verhoeven talking about how when he signed on to the movie, it had massive third act problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, but you know, the rest of the script's so good. He wanted to work with Arnold. Arnold was supposed to be uh, RoboCop, but they couldn't get the costume to work. Oh, wow. <laughs> was, was he too, just too bulky for it? Yeah, was too, it? way too big. They couldn't make it work in any realistic way. So, uh, but they wanted to work on something eventually. And so Schwarzenegger, when he signed on, he sent them this. And he's like, well, I, we can fix the third act, not a problem. But then when he, so when he signed on, he realized, oh, this is like draft 45 of the movie. They haven't been able to fix the third act yet. So they fixed it by just giving the only, I was going to call it the only part of the exposition that was crazy, was when they're running through the tunnel to get a reactor. And it's like, I'm like, how does he know it's going to start air? How does he know? Like, he's just like, we got to get to the reactor. We got to have to turn it on. It'll give air for everyone. What, oh, he has that, but he has that memory with Quato. So that'll, I, I don't know what the third act was or what, what was wrong with it before. I just know that, you know, in theory, they fixed it. Uh, I think probably just because I think, I think what he what he did, if I remember the interview properly, was that the movie had this whole thing where it was like, well, is it the real world? Is it all in his head? Like, what's really happening? And I think he just said, why do we have to decide? Like, why can't we just mm-hmm. let that be up to the viewer and allow both things to be possible? And so he mm-hmm. made everything retrofitted and redesigned so that there wasn't a definitive ending. It's like Inception styles. Yeah. I think that's what he was like, why do we have to have, because it was, everyone was doing the typical thing where it's like, well, it has to be one or the other. And he's like, maybe there's a third option. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer the interpretive ending myself for sure. I, I, As a yeah, kid, I yeah, always I, watched it going, no, he's, he's really Hauser who he was the bad guy who became the good guy. But when I watch mm-hmm. it now, I'm like, nah, he's lobotomized. <laughs> I think that's just my, me being a <laughs> cynical older man. Well, it flares the white too. Right. So that yeah. sort of tells me that it, it's, it's, probably a lobotomy but that being said i like the I, the western idea of like he came he rolled into town and saved it for the townsfolk and stuff like but again it, right early on in the movie when they lay out here's the adventure you're going to go on you're going to meet this girl and save this planet and stuff like that uh it, it was exactly it's happening exactly it, it can't be a coincidence right or yeah my son was he was every time I, when she first came on screen the first time he's like wait a minute that's the girl from recall what the what's going on like my son started to have his existential crisis nice i love, I love uh, rochelle Tacoten, man i had such a crush on her growing up between this and uh tales from the dark side the movie she's in the story called lover's vow she's such a she was such a like great performer like made such an impression on me when i was a kid um really 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 into the work she does in this movie yeah, and she's one of those actors like you don't know. She's not like a name name, but it's like she she just pops up in so many things here and there. A lot of TV. Um, yeah. But uh, but and she's in so, John McNaughton's The Borrower, which is hitting Blu-ray this month. That uh, is a lost film. It was the one he did after Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and she's one of the leads in that. And uh, you got to see that. That movie is crazy. Oh. Fun. Amazing. Verhoeven talks about casting him and Sharon, her and Sharon Stone in this movie. And how, like, normally you could spend, like, months and months trying to find the right women. But he found them, the two within a day of each other. Like, they just came mm-hmm. in and, and just kind of killed. Sharon Stone, this is an early Sharon Stone role, too. And this is what makes Verhoeven cast her in Basic Instinct two years later. Oh, she was fa- awesome in the movie. Uh, and actually, I, I never saw her before Basic Instinct because I, I clearly hadn't seen this movie. Um, and, uh, of course, I didn't miss Basic Instinct, though, as, like, 
an 11 year old or whatever, however old I was. But, um, uh, but, but going back to that, I thought she was awesome in the, in the film too. Like she was doing her, those are her own kicks, man. I was watching some of her. Yeah. Her, the she, did, kicks and stuff. she did all of her own stunts and they made her an honorary. They got her like inducted into the stunt actors union <laughs> as, as like, as like a reward for all of her hard work. Oh man, she killed it. Like, honestly, I actually, I thought that was really good too. Like, to like even though there was like some you know over sexualized stuff with the you know with the with the three breasts which i thought was more of its own you know just kind of its own futuristic funny but uh i actually thought like for all the heat that uh verhoven's getting now to maybe he's not getting it about sexualization of people or whatever but but uh I actually thought the the female characters were pretty cool, man. Like I thought, and I thought the like the the fighting, the yeah. like well, they had agency. Yeah, I thought it was it, actually quite good for, for the promotional release. They got her to they. I don't know whose decision was it, or if she was they like, coerced or just paid really well. But she ended up uh, st- posing in Playboy to coincide with the release of this film. Oh. <laughs> as you do, as you do. So they so so they just made sure that like. They did that outside of the film, you know. There's just yeah. a couple moments. There's like there's as a the third the third breasting for me as a kid kind of it was like both me for me it was like there was something strangely attractive about it for me, but also I couldn't stop going. Okay, clearly one of those is fake. I think all three of them are. I think all three of them were. Yeah. That's what I ultimately I found out many years later. But I, I spent many yeah. a time going, well, which ones. It's got to be <laughs> anyway. The but, middle one would be the fake one, Jeremy. I'm not sure how many people you've seen topless, but generally it's not a breast right in the center of the chest. So that's. Uh, uh, I, I just mean, thought I maybe they, they, they're really spread out. I don't know. I was like ten of the time, Nicholas. I didn't know a lot about breasts. Okay, um, <laughs> but my um, but the only real like comment there's there's uh, two in a row, uh, and they were both said by like the bad guys in the film. It was Hauser makes the the, the Indian giver comment. Yeah, right. I was like, "Oof, yeah, that's the." Uh, and then, but that was such common phraseology back then. Like, oh, for sure, no, but oh, yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like for a movie in like the late '80s, like there's not a lot of stuff. And there's a moment later on where, when um, uh, Melinda is about to be lobotomized, not lobotomized. Yep. I like, call this one too. Like, you're gonna go, you're gonna get to fuck her every night or whatever he says. Or and you're gonna become like a like a good woman. Just need like, just shut up and be a you know obedient like a good woman should be. But again, it's the bad guy saying that. Yeah, so it's, the villains, okay. right? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. So you, you let it pass. people. But it's not bad. But so it's not. It, it's in terms of that. Like to Nicholas's point, it kind of stands up. Yeah. I, those are the, as, as I said, there were very few. Like I mean, shooting a woman in the back. Uh, calling someone an Indian giver, which I thought was, as I said, like even me just saying it out loud right now felt really uncomfortable. Um, but still, it's like that's something that was in the regular vernacular. Uh, you know, we're, we're not in, we're not in blazing saddles territory. You know what I mean? Like this is like no, 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 no. You know, like when this I was a like, kid, that's what people call people that, and that, it was just like it just meant you know it was just, and it was the worst use of it. It was like it was just such an ignorant wet phrase to use because of. Yeah, not understanding how the history no, of that actually works. It's the opposite of reality. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like literally, talk talk about indoctrination of the like people for like generations. Be like, I know what to do. Let's come up with a phrase that means the exact opposite of what happened in reality, mm-hmm. and make a common, you know, make a, a common phrase. Oh my god! Terrible. In terms of problematic material in the movie, if you compare this to his previous film, Flesh and Blood, this is this is like straight across the line, kiddie fair, basically. 
flesh and blood is uh, pretty rapey at times. Oof. Um, but uh, there are, I'm not going to get into it, but there could be arguments to be made for the uh, technical merit, or not technical merit, the historical merit of the reason those scenes are in the film. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Jen- the way Jennifer Jason Lee plays it, it anyway. Not a not a conversation to get into, but I do think Verhoeven is working on a intellectual level and not an exploitation level uh, with most of his choices, even when they're exploitation choices. Like, well, that's just it. So let's talk about like the Nicholas mentioned. He doesn't usually love violence, but this movie he did. I love the kills in this movie. Honestly, I loved every kill in this movie. Like Michael Ironside's death, fantastic. Oh, that was great too. And honestly, it's. Okay, like he literally was kept making jokes about his hands. I'm not joking. When I I don't want to keep talking about the fact that I had dinner with this man, but the thing is that like it's relevant in that I never saw this movie, and like <laughs> like him and Michelle's dad kept making jokes about like losing your hands or the wrists or whatever. You know, something this whole and I had no idea. Right now, a total giveaway. If I if I didn't know what they were talking about, clearly I did not pass for not for like pretending to have seen this film. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, no, no, he knew you, you hadn't seen it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> did, he, That's... did he make the joke at any point where he's like, well, I'll see you at the party later. <laughs> you're like, no, oh, that no. I would No, I don't. I, I, I not that I can recall, but yeah. That's I love that. I love that beat when he's like, is he going to remember this later? Nah, he just clocks him. I was like, that's a great move. That's yeah. a great moment. Honestly, again, the arms being ripped off. I loved when he got, uh, when uh, Quaid got his, arm free at the machine and just went right through the operator's neck with yeah. the, with the base of that. I that guy's that just doing phenomenal. his job. That guy was not going to hurt. He, he kills the nerds first. Cause he's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, technically they are working for a system that is oppressive. So I don't know. Are you complicit sure. by being the person erasing people's entire histories? I, I don't know. They're, they're, um, this is fair. Oh, this is fair. Sure. They're, but there's just like, there's just a real lack of people giving a shit about human life going on. Well, but I think that's that's I think that's there for a reason though. All that collateral damage and the impression that life is really really cheap to this world and this this sort yeah. of dystopian society that exists. That same theme exists in RoboCop. That same theme exists in Starship Troopers. Like he he was clearly going for an idea that capital is more important than people and like we're just mm. bugs to be squashed. Yeah, and, uh, and they totally. I'm totally on board with that concept in his movies. Yeah, the one sure. the one thing that's not clear here is so because the idea is that they've colonized Mars because Mars has this element or this thing there that Earth needs for some kind of war or something or some kind of weapon that they're sending yeah, back something to like Earth. That. Yeah, they kind of give it a non like blah 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 name. Uh, I do. I would love a little bit more context behind that for sure, and I think that's what I was saying too in terms of getting another like. 30 minutes to the movie is that like, I think this, the, the film would have benefited from like, a, I don't know, even just like a great, a great monologue about this element or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but do we need to know I, what it is? I, I, I accepted it as like a MacGuffin, right? But the thing is that I feel like we could have gained something if we found a way to like, well, but it, is it a MacGuffin or is it a statement on the fact that a lot of people go to war for things that the average person doesn't understand uh, the purpose of? You know, like um, if they're they're trying to get whatever this this material is, and that's what this whole up the oppression of the people on Mars and the, the you know the rebellion and all that is over. Whatever this material is, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the material is when it represents the oppression of people. Yeah, like, that's kind. Of, I guess I, that's kind of why I'm all right with it. 
I think ultimately you're right. And, 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 and given the kind of movie this is, uh, we just don't need those scenes. You know, it's uh, like the one thing Verhoeven says he was because he wasn't, you know, the, the one choice he didn't have in this movie was casting Arnold. Uh, in the role, like the one thing he like in the original draft of the script, he was meant to be. To your point, Nicholas is like people that look like Arnold playing regular people is kind of silly because in the yeah. original draft it was like he was an accountant, and Verhoeven was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yes. <laughs> it's like yeah. make get, put him in, put him in a quarry. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, it's like I thought that too, and then I was really happy that his real name was Hauser because I was like, I was like, uh, <laughs> I just was didn't buy this like intensely austrian accent right mm-hmm. with a guy named what is his name not not, not dennis quaid what's his first name uh, douglas tennis. quaid douglas quaid douglas quaid, quaid. Yeah. right douglas quaid i'm like i'm like all right i'm like i like, i guess i'm just gonna have to accept that there's this like you know super ripped guy named i was gonna call him dennis again no douglas quaid this yeah. really ripped guy named douglas quaid just has this really shitty life <laughs> i was like have you seen yourself man you could do a lot of things yeah, but what what Verhoeven talks about in that in the casting of Arnold is like it automatically comes with a tone. He's like, it's not, it can't be played super straight or super serious. So it's got to be a little campy, and so that like just the casting of Arnold kind of dictated all of his choices and the tone he he went with. And well, just actually, like that can't act. Like no offense, like I, I feel bad saying it, right? He's no, he's the- Verhoeven says it too. He's like Arnold's not an actor. He's like. So design he's the movie. A presence, right? Yeah, like he's that. a presence. Design the movie around what he can do, and you'll be successful. And I think they do do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I loved it. Actually, I was just thinking about this. Like again, I, maybe I'm just becoming old, but I, like I'm I'm super into just again watching films. Well, I've been watching a lot of movies from like the late '90s, but in, through the '80s, uh, especially, you know, I'm just finding the like like the pace and how specific every, everything is. Um, like, I'm just really, like, I, I, I just really, really appreciate the story and the pace at which it, it, it unfolds. I mean, I got nostalgic right away. As soon as I saw the TriStar horse um, <laughs> come around the corner, I was like, whoa, like, I haven't seen that in so long, right? Is that- and, and I thought that was super cool. Uh, Did you say that because of like cause of an effect writing it's a lot of like because 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 instead of and then and then and then in the scripts whereas in like a lot of modern movies is they're built around the set pieces right and it's all yep. about connecting dots between these set pieces and in this case there's set pieces but they're they're pretty organically built into the story and it builds yeah. in a pretty i mean not i think it's just a really rock solid script ultimately but it's just smart too it's just like it keeps you guessing yeah. keeps you wondering and it never like spoon feeds stuff to you and doesn't give you any easy answers mm-hmm. yeah and it didn't feel like even so i so again when i mentioned some foreshadowing uh benny i definitely they they, they held on benny at the end well first of all when he said i'm on your side as a mutant i was like oh he's clearly not on their side was number one and then and then and then and then they just held on him like once they saw got to have a meeting when he was, when he was going to have an audience with Quato, yeah you know, and they just they just held that shot on benny there i'm like oh no he's gonna stumble across them like those, that's like those are the only times i felt like the filmmaking kind of told it that way but still mm-hmm. it, it still justified like, the fact that like he was able to get him into the cab the fact all that stuff like the, the going backwards none of those uh circumstances um didn't connect for me like i was like oh that's totally viable that's totally viable you know yeah. Yeah. and even for the late 90s like it's this is one so this is uh an interesting place movie because i think it was one of the last big giant hollywood blockbusters that 
used miniatures in, as much as it did in the way that it did. And it was also Ooh. one of the first ones that... Well, I mean, used. Independence Day was, was after this, but... Yes, oh, that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but that's what I said, one of the last, right? Not mm-hmm. the last. And they, you know, miniature, miniatures are, can still be used today. I think sometimes... I think they even... You still get used from time to time, but... Yeah, but, but on the scale... that kind of way. And yeah, yeah definitely not for sure. But also uh, one of the first films to use some early CGI. And really, I think the only place it's in is in... What's that? The train sequence, I think. No, actually, the train sequence is real projection. Oh, really? Miniatures. Yeah, there's actually like a little projector. And I, 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 I think it looks like you can see a little line around them, but maybe. Uh, maybe. Well, there's there's definitely some chroma key stuff. That's chroma key stuff going on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the only CGI that's in the movie is actually that sequence with the the X-ray machine in the in like the mall or whatever mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in one frame off, but I totally was fine with it. But even like the little things that I like blew me away as a kid, and still today watching them go, that's pretty good. Like. All the stuff. Practical effects are classic. Yeah, like when their when their faces are expanding. But even like when he goes and like pulls the thing out of his head. uh, Yeah, like like that's an entire fake head, right? Like that's that's yeah, that's an entire fake head. But then when he's inside of that woman, and that's also fake. Another fake, and that's this time. If you if you because your eye, it's a magic trick because your eye is drawn to the woman and all the and all the movement that's going on. But if you look just at him, I'm like, it's so clearly a fake head. Yeah, absolutely. But they but, but the they ended around it really quick. Yeah, yeah, they do. Oh, his, 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 his rubber head on the inside. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah. I, I thought that was cool too. I didn't see. You know what? I did not see even that coming. Like until like until the two weeks malfunction. I was two like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, and then, and then of course, why didn't I think of this? Six and a half foot woman being out of place. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like you know, like or or or, or whatever it is. But uh, but but again, like that that was a moment where I was like, well, where did he get this suit from? But at the end of the day, uh, those are things I don't care about, right? You yeah, know, yeah. Right? But I, I I'm clear. Time. Yeah, you know, was, uh, I think it was in the suitcase. I think it was. Yeah, but like yeah. it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. We can do the back to the future thing where, like, you know, they lay out all the things we're going to see. You know, no, but still, it was. Uh, was uh, yeah. That's a was, really complicated contraption that he just ha- found off screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and was able to use with no memory. But fair enough. He was. Uh, he didn't program it well. It doesn't doesn't oh. hold up for long. <laughs> oh yeah you're right honestly oh. let, let's let's poke holes in the fact that like <laughs> that like this thing that looked like a real woman like the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger malfunctioned after being on for too long yeah I like how they have that technology but all the video screens are still analog <laughs> yeah I thought but again I, I, that's another thought I had throughout the movie where I was like man like they did a really good job I think with the whole like keeping everything concrete so you can think that like, you know, things are a little bit run down. It doesn't age that well. You know, like if it was built in the 1970s, maybe it would still be there in whatever year this is. Actually, that, I thought that was kind of good too, that they kind of avoided what year it was, unless I missed it. Um, it's in 2048. Oh, really? Point, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I missed that. Well, okay. I'm glad I missed that because I would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> but, 27 uh, years from now, a lot could happen in 27 years. We're not I don't gonna, know if we're going to colonize Mars all the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, meanwhile, tomorrow, there's like uh, like an announcement from Elon Musk. They're like, we found the generator from Total Recall. Um, 
Uh, but, a, uh, a podcast I love um, called Forked Up uses some of the sound bites from that uh, that scene when they first arrive on Mars. They use the, have you brought any fruits and vegetables on the planet? <laughs> and the, you're in for a surprise. They use that for, the, they, they do a food recall section of their podcast and they use those two, clo- two uh, quotes to introduce the segment. It makes me laugh every time. Oh, it, it, it'll probably, well, if I ever now listen to that podcast, it'll probably make me laugh now too because I thought that was, I thought that was a very, I, I, that was a, a laugh out loud moment for me uh, when he actually said, uh, did you bring any fruits or vegetables? I died because I thought that was very accurate and something probably someone will still ask in the future. Um, another laugh out loud I had was when, uh, did you think I was the real Quay? I am. Yeah. <laughs> I died. Actually, I thought there was like lots of stuff where if you were a kid and I wonder if your son thinks this too, where I'm like, oh, that's a moment I would remember. Like when the old woman says like, fuck you asshole or whatever i was like <laughs> that would that. Be, that would fully be a moment that i would be quoting in the schoolyard had i seen the movie you know yeah my son loved that he loved that there, apparently there was a they changed it in, in the original script before he kills sharon stone he says consider this a divorce and then he shoots her and they're like that's too cold reverse, yeah <laughs> and they're like what if we have him say it after he kills her I'm like that's fine <laughs> <laughs> well it's like it's like it's like he find he finds it funny after the fact instead of cold-bloodedly finding it funny before he has to murder someone he thinks he's in love with i do like that all his catchphrase type lines are hour after he kills somebody so he, they never nobody hears them like literally nobody's around except for maybe uh melina, melina in that one scene well just that one when he's like <laughs> it is he does tell them it is him before he murders them yeah oh that one time but like after richter dies he's like see you at the party richter you know, it's, yeah. He it, who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's he's amusing himself. It's, it's, he could yeah. still be falling. Oh yeah, you know? maybe. <laughs> Imagine that. The guy I just ripped your arms for off, and he's adding insult to injury, but injury yeah. by just like shouting at you. Literally adding insult to injury. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good if they had done like an ADR session just for one try, just to try out him being like, "Good one." Just falling away. <laughs> oh, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be like a psychological reason why like Schwarzenegger became as popular as he was and why people love him so much. Like I, I, I'm a big Schwarzenegger fan. I, I, you know, from way back and, and yeah. you, you, you know, you can say that, Oh, he's not a great actor, but there's, but I think that's it. I think it's because that he brings to the table though. That is so there's something in, in his presence and who he is and how he handles himself on screen. He doesn't have to be a good actor necessarily. He just needs to be Schwarzenegger. No, because he, he's this magical thing wherein he's not an actor. He's So he's not like a good actor. He's not considered a good actor. He's just considered a regular dude. But he's also a regular dude that's just built like a brick shithouse. So he does both things. He's both like you can kind of like like empathize with him because he doesn't he's not he doesn't seem like a super intelligent guy he doesn't seem like he's dumb but he just seems like a regular guy that just happens to be like ridiculously buff yeah i'm just trying to think if he always seems this way but he seems like he like he's really good at being caught in a scenario where he needs to figure out what's happening yeah. in the action you know what i mean like it's like he's got this slight bewilderment yeah he's like him. me he's just like us guys you know yeah, except yeah. he gets up and he lifts like 600 pounds <laughs> yeah. and he's and, far and more right wing feeds his crotch blondes you know he's yeah. just like us he's, if he's right wing though he's like old school republican where they're still kind of sane like he's in the, he's 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 like a centrist look at this arnold sympathizer over here well i'm just saying if you look at what right wing currently is and what schwarzenegger currently supports he's a centrist at best he's, he's a, a vegan right. now guys yeah 
<laughs> it's a lot of chickpeas that dude's got to eat now. Yeah. Well, dude, he, well, he lives with like a pony and and uh, various farm animals that like eat breakfast with him in his kitchen. It's it's really strange, but I I, I live for those photos. They're kind of kind of amazing. Yeah, Have you no, seen the remake? Sorry, I was just gonna say that the I, I'll oh. I no I haven't. When how is it? Okay, so uh, I, I love this movie so much. I just didn't want to. I just didn't. Yeah. Want to. I don't don't spoil anything category. major because I'm going to probably watch. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, I, I I'd put it the same category as the RoboCop remake in that it's got some really polished, good action set pieces. The cast is uniformly good because it's like Colin Farrell and uh, Kate Beckinsale, and uh, like it's a, it's a pretty damn good cast. It's really well made. Uh, and there's one all-timer cool action sequence that ha- that's a new idea that's not something from the original film that, that has some really great gravity. They play with gravity at one point in a really neat way. But as an overall experience, it feels kind of empty to me. Uh, I have a question. Uh, is it basically the same plot line, though? Or no, was- not really. I mean, the, the, I don't remember there being any Mars stuff. In it. It, it, it's uh, wow. So, yeah, I don't remember any Mars stuff at all. Um, there might be, but again, I don't, all I really remember is there's a mag train that connects two poles of the earth and then you have to go through the center of the earth to get from one place to the other. And when they hit the center, the gravity reverses. So there's set pieces built around that idea. That shit is cool. Uh, the rest of it, I don't remember much. I, I just remember it being fun to watch, but completely like empty calories. That's mm. what I remember about it. That's um, so interesting because I, 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 this is maybe a specific scenario because it's based on some other source material. But I often thought about when you do remakes of movies, mm-hmm. you know, okay, so when you, if you remount a play, right, you are using the same text and reinterpreting it, right? I yeah. often thought, because like when I was watching it, you know, because I'm not the hugest fan of remakes, to be honest, but, you know, sometimes I, when I was watching it, I'm like, man, just with like some more, uh, like you know, with with our current technology, our current uh, ability for like prosthetics, all that other kind of stuff, I was like, man, this movie could be like elevated just from a technical standpoint. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I almost prefer the way it was made in 1990 to a really polished technical version. You know, sure, uh, I guess I could, I, I, and I totally agree with you in that point. Too. I'm not sure we have to redo them, but I was just wondering, like, how come when we remake a movie, I, I say we as though like. <laughs> I'm deciding, but still, it's like, but when a movie's remade, why wouldn't you take another crack at the same screenplay? Okay, instead so of yes. having, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the info. So yeah, the remake <laughs> is more based oh. on their original story. Yeah, uh, and it takes place completely on Earth, and instead of Mars, it's a colony at the center of the Earth. Yeah, that's what that's ah. what it is. And 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 to, I mean, my thought on your other question, um, just about why you know why we remake theater, but you don't remake movies like this or when you do it's like people shit on it or they say you shouldn't do it i mean i would think i think the easy answer for me is that it's like you know theater is designed to be experienced live and then it's gone and so the only way to do it is to do it over and over again where movies are designed to be the one production is designed to be watched over and over again so in theory you don't need another version of it if that version works you know and to that point i you know, I've always thought it's like, well, you don't need to remake good movies. They already exist. Remake bad movies that, that had a really mm-hmm. good idea, but they just missed the mark somewhere. Because there's, yeah, no there's, there's, no, there's no movie out there that wasn't 
like so people didn't get psyched about it for a reason right so it's like whether it worked or not like any, every movie's magic in a bottle like when a movie works it's a miracle it's a series of miracles coming together with the casting the writing the direction everything the editing just the time of its release you know it's all a series of miracles when a movie really works and pops but so it's it's there's so many that are just like close but didn't quite get there and those are the movies that people should remake ultimately but it's tough to remake those because the ip didn't become valuable yeah nobody wants to see it because it's like wait you're remaking what exactly um but that's been done too like legit like look at dune coming uh, out dune was considered yeah, dune, not but that's a readaption right it's the same it's not necessarily a remake it's an adaption of a novel again which I think well, is, is that but to the point, it's another it's another crack at it, another version, yeah. movie version, crack at it. Where the first one, I mean, they're still trying Fantastic Four. Now that Marvel has it back, we'll see if they can figure it out. Oh, did Marvel get it back? Well, yeah, they had now that they have everything that Fox had, right? In the because oh, yeah, they bought it. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Well, I mean, I, I think of the remake question though, like I would say something like Le Jeti, which is a French film that uh, then uh, Terry Gilliam made Twelve Monkeys based on uh, mm. the source material from that, and then there's the Twelve Monkeys TV series, and all three things are are an adaptation of the same source material. They're all very, very different, and they all stand on their own as their own thing. And I, I'm really. I can appreciate it when it's something like that. Like the thing is another really great example, which has the same effects person as Total Recall, by the way, like for practical effects. Yeah, um, and it, and I think that's just the trick is you've got to come at it from a new angle. If you're remaking it, there's got to be a reason besides just money, which yeah. is you know enough reason for some people. But um, you know, I think like the only time I can think of like the Gus Van Sant's you know shot for shot remake of Psycho, which was you know for him the reason was let's do an art experiment to see what it's like if you do a shot for shot remake of a classic movie, but with modern actors and, mm -hmm. and color and whatnot, and will it work? And it's like, well, it was never going to, anyway, that's a whole other conversation, but um, <laughs> you know, it's like the whole, it, it's set up to fail from the beginning in a way. Uh, but even doing shot for shot, that is weird because if you're doing shot for shot, then you aren't putting any of your, uh, your own personal, uh, point of view on it, right? No, we're, it's a studio. It's a studio-led art project, <laughs> right? Right. Where, where, whereas though, if he had the same screenplay as Alfred Hitchcock, it's like, it hasn't probably. I'm sure it has. And but again, I, I guess, I guess the reason why I asked the question is because it seems as though so many remakes are so disappointing, and maybe it's because it's all a product of the fact that the original, the original film was so beloved by the people who you know, made it I think that's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely part of it. The other part of it, I think is a lot of remakes, the ones that are made with the wrong mindset of just being a cash in on an IP are also referencing the original film in some way and doing callbacks that are unnecessary. So you'll end up with moments where lines will be repeated from the original film and it takes you right out of that, that alternate story that they're trying to tell from the remake. And that happened in like, a good example of that is like Halloween 2018, which is is basically a sequel to the original Halloween, but yet they re-reference moments from the original Halloween and lines from the original Halloween. And so it's not it's not really a sequel either. It's kind of like a weird alter, alternate meta remake at the same time. Um, yeah. Things like that I find really cynical. And, I, and I'm not saying that's a bad movie necessarily uh, at all. I'm just saying that I think that's what doesn't be about certain remakes, especially on a studio level, is they end up being they're, – they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to tell a new story while also pleasing fans of the original by giving them callback moments that where they think, oh, these people will react like, oh, I remember that. 
it, it, it never works. It never works that way. It's always like every time you throw a member berry at something, people get pulled out of the story and they aren't able to accept the thing on its own terms. No, it's, it's almost like they, they assume like, you know, the fans are sitting out there with a checklist going, are they going to hit this beat? Are they going to hit that beat? Yeah. And, yeah. It's like, and, and you no. naturally do that just by like going through the story and the stuff that is organic to it. But like just to your, exactly what you just said, it's like once you start going, oh, this is that, and how clever. It's like once you have to have like an intimate knowledge of the original to get all the inside jokes, it automatically kind of doesn't work on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> did, uh, did you see, speaking of which, Schwarzenegger's done a few sci-fi-ish kind of projects, obviously Predator and stuff, but there's another movie that has a total recall theater in the early 2000s called The Sixth Day. Have either of you guys seen that? Oh, I know the poster. I, feel like, I, I, can, I can picture the poster, yeah. Yeah, same here, but I don't know if I actually saw it. I don't have a good memory of it if I did. It's worth a, it's worth a watch. It's, it's another, I think it's based on Philip K. I, I could be wrong, but it's, it's in the world of cloning. And it, it has sort of like a Verhoeven, Verhoeven light tone to it, where it's got that sort of commercialism and crassness. And, uh, you know, the, the henchmen in it, every time they, they get killed by him, they just pop a new one out of the cloning device. So he has to re-kill the same people all the time. Oh, that's Which, awesome. Like there's all these sort of like clever th- nods and I feel like it's a pretty nice uh, companion piece to the original Total Recall, but not, it's nowhere, nowhere near as good, but it's absolutely worth a watch. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think to, to the point I mentioned earlier about Verhoeven, this is like casting Arnold in this makes it impossible to make it too serious. And I think yeah. that's where a movie like this would fail because there's so much of it that's just over the top that because of the casting of Schwarzenegger and so Verhoeven gets the tone and, and figures out that tone and dances it so well that you just kind of let certain things just go because mm-hmm. it's not that kind of movie that you need to work on such a deep, deep level. Well, I, I would think of it like if the sets were just a little cheaper and it was like Tim Thomerson or something like that, this movie could have easily been something made by like, you know, Empire Pictures and Charles Band or Roger or something it's just yeah. because uh, it's got such a great director behind it and the screenplay is so tight and the cast elevates it and the production design is so impressive it, it, that's what breaks it out of that so story. much breaking glass yeah, yeah. I was like, there's so much glass that's what i kept thinking to myself like there's so much glass being shattered in this thing like even when uh when ironside jumps through the through the glass i'm like hit the door man but anyway, I, but it was like, I, I, it was just a lot of glass. But I, I was thinking about that in just in terms of even just breakaway glass. I was trying in my head. I'm like, how do you even price this movie? This is like expensive as hell. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's, but it's that kind of movie that if they aren't doing that kind of stuff, the studio's going, what's going on? There's a window there. Why didn't it break? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like you, smashed one. The, yeah, yeah, you got the window in the car. Thing. I was going to say, this is after, you know, he, he's done Commando on Raw Deal and a bunch of his, his like, known, like, Predator and uh, and all this stuff. They, they want lots of, they probably shoehorned a lot more action than, uh, than was intended into the movie. Um, or at least the studio was adding more pressure for more action, more death, more whatever, because because of who was in it. You know, they, they that is the target audience. At the yeah. Time. So and the Johnny Cat, I want to. Oh, sorry, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. If you're going to continue on this point, no, I was just going to like, continue on to that point. Just like, the idea that it's like because, I mean, and to the point where it's like the production design gets unrealistic in the sense that it's like, you know, if you've got a planet that like is so dangerous to breathe, the actual to go outside and the actual thing, and you only separate it by a pane of glass, like yeah. who's doing that? 
but then you have a problem going, I want the glass so it explodes on everyone. It's like, but they wouldn't do that. He's like, make it explode. It's like, okay, we'll put windows everywhere, I guess. <laughs> I think that, that, that's also a commentary on capitalism, though, too. You know, you cut every corner you possibly can, fuck everybody else, didn't save money. I, I, I Look know. at you, I just maybe, blue sky and all this stuff. I, I, I don't disagree. That, that, that's a good point. I love that, though. I love that idea. Oh, sure. But well, you want to be able but, to see it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I still think, yeah, I mean, like, that that was another inconsistency where I was like, okay, so you get sucked out, so you have enough air while you're being sucked out, and then, actually, I still thought that they should have left their faces deformed after they... Oh, it does, it makes zero sense, it makes zero sense. I wish they had left it, like, like, almost like a Shrek ending, you know? Yeah, like they just have. We still love each other, despite our blowfish people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that would have been great. Their faces <laughs> snapping back make zero sense. Yeah, at least oh, it would be loose. It's some, it's some crazy loose. great practical effects from Rob Botine. So you know, they're so good. I would rather see. I would rather see it than not. <laughs> oh, it was great. Oh, I actually, that was awesome, and I loved. It. Again, that was violent to me too. Like that was more violent. Like their eyes being sucked out of their heads, and like they're, I'm they're like no that blowing up, they look like they're blowing up like balloons. My son was like in a good like he's not going to lose sleep tonight, but just that opening, he's like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that, man. Actually, that's uh, that's so funny. Actually, uh, but again, going to the production design and the point I wanted to make about the Johnny Cabs, I still love the idea that they would know that you would be self-driving cars in the future, yeah. but that they still couldn't conceive of one without a false driver. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like need, like I, I even that I think is the thing that people even like, I mean, today when we're talking about driverless cars is the idea of like not having a steering wheel mm-hmm. is, is the, is the thing that's the barrier right now. You know, um, like people can't conceive of traveling in a vehicle without at least the illusion of someone driving it. Yeah, well, I think, you know, at least for the first iterations when they first come around, there will need to be some kind of manual overdrive. Well, there has to be. <laughs> you know, which they have here in the form of a joystick. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That only goes forward. No, it oh, goes no, side it, to side. He can turn with it. He turned oh, with it. Oh, he did turn with it. You're right. You're right. It, it, it's almost like a flight control system. So it, it, I he's, just, doing, he's doing fucking donuts at one point because yeah, it's it, so easy to do with whatever that. And clearly these things are just lined wall to wall with gasoline. So as soon as they have the slightest yeah. impact, they explode. Yeah. <laughs> All those are crazy cars, but they're not electric cars. They're, they're still like pulling the gas. Well, maybe they're powered by whatever comes from Mars. And <laughs> it's why it blows up. Which is, oh, yeah, this is explosive. Totally yeah. yeah. But actually, no, no. It, that, that was another thing too, thinking about that. There's this limited. That doesn't happen on Mars though. The Johnny, the Johnny cars aren't on Mars. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> But they, the only reason the movie gives for the – they have to, they explain the explosion or the need for it because that's what alerts the bad guys to where yes. it is. Yeah. It's still ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's I thought that too. I was, like, I, 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 was like, I was like, oh, look at this gratuitous blowing up car. But then I was like, how else would the bad guys have found them? Better writing. But I'm yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good to you. But uh, yeah. I they had a cool. tracker in his head still. The tracker was still in his head. They could pinpoint him to that building. Well, to that area anyway, because I who knows what the towel the towel would be dry by then, so I don't even know if or how much the water even affects. I did appreciate that they cut away before they came back to his fully tied turban. I guess is the best way to put it, put it. But when they tied it up, because I was like, I was like, that is tied really skillfully. Yeah, yeah. When it came, like he starts by just like wrapping it around his head, comes back fully intricate triple knot, 
I love that whole, that whole I, I can blue sky that too though yeah, <laughs> and yeah. say that as an agent he's the one who set up that plan in the to begin with so he'd know how to tie it right yeah, of course <laughs> My, i uh i love that whole sequence as a kid i just love the concept of like him getting away i love like the concept of him talking to himself on that like pre-laptop whatever that computer thing was he had like all of that to me just like i remember the first time i remember being like however old i was the first time watching just being like blown away by oh my god just like the twist of i think this is the probably one of the first movies that kept on like twisting and reversing and revealing itself mm-hmm. throughout it that, that I saw that I'm like, I really started to appreciate like just being on, just not knowing what was going to happen. Being on the ride. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yep. I, 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 again, I just watched it for the first time and I fully experienced that. Like I fully experienced it. Like I was like, I think I was vocalizing at the, at the TV when I was saying, uh, when, when they reveal, when they, when they pulled out and revealed, the like mastermind putting his arm around him in the second video, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, no, he really, he really was Hauser. Like, no, like it's it was so a, good. It was mm-hmm. great. Like I, 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 again, like I try, I do intentionally try to watch movies with very, I, I don't even usually watch the trailers. Uh, I don't know why I did today, but, uh, but the thing is that uh, I try really, I, I try to know as little as possible so that I have that experience of like, not anticipating anything, really having to pay attention, no temptation to the second screen, you know, all that stuff, because you're like, you need to pay attention to follow this. So I try not to re- rewind so that I know that I have to, you know, pay attention. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I was surprised over and over and over again. I, I, I was, I was like, to be honest, like I, I'm now I'm like, hmm, maybe I should like, give showgirls chance or whatever. Oh. Like, you know, showgirls is interesting. It's an interesting flick. I mean, I've never watched this person's entire, entire okay. uh, catalog. Here's what you have to do though. If you watch showgirls, you have to make sure you get it on DVD and it has the commentary from the guy that like roasts it because <laughs> it's so good. He used to, this guy that they got to do when they re-released it on disc. I'm sure it's on, if there's a Blu-ray for showgirls, I'm sure it exists on there. There was this guy who made a whole career out of doing because when showgirls came out it was like widely considered the worst movie of all time right uh by some people and so this guy did this like literally like a mystery science theater kind of show where he would screen showgirls but have a microphone and do his own commentary and just like rip it apart like Mm -hmm. scene like moment by moment and they actually hired him to do a commentary for the re-release of the movie uh and it's great because he talks about how it's like these are all good people like doing the worst making the worst choice at every single moment <laughs> it's theory while watching it he's like every single person from the director to the writer to the actress they're all making the wrong choice and the only wow. person who knows they're in this movie is kyle chandler <laughs> actually it's funny you say kyle chandler you isn't it Colin kyle Glockman? chandler Kyle mclaughlin is the only actor who knows what kind of movie he's in <laughs> oh man i i'm gonna have to see i i i, I do still love watching uh you know, DVDs and discs and whatnot. Specifically, you've seen, uh, Starship Troopers, right? I haven't seen Starship Troopers. That's one of my black holes. Oh my god, guys! I haven't seen it either. No. Yeah. Okay. So do an episode. Do Starship Troopers. It is. Uh, it's a brilliant fucking movie. I, you know, I, I will tell you, I've seen sequences of Starship Troopers. Again, eight yep. when they came out, I was a little, you know, perverted kid, and you know, so seeing, you know, I've seen nudity from Starship Troopers. Yeah. No, but the. <laughs> Starship Troopers as a political allegory is 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 just a brilliant film. 
And I think it's really funny because when it was released, nobody got it. So they just thought it's this big, dumb bug movie. Why are these people acting like this? You know, why are these young kids so, so like stiff and flat and stuff like that? It's all, it's don't, all a big don't, satire. Don't tell me. Explode. I haven't seen it. Stop, not, stop now. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The point being is that he, he's very good at subversive uh, blockbuster filmmaking that takes years and years and years for people to go, oh, shit, that's what he was doing. Right. <laughs> Now I'm going to watch it. I mean, seriously, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, I'm, on a, I'm on a tip now. I'm going to try to do the Jeremy Styles and try to watch 500 movies a year. I don't know how you do that, but uh, I'll try. Uh, it, it helps if you, uh, you know, you just, you just have, I usually have to put the effort in, really. I, I don't often do 500, but I do at least a movie a day over the course of a year. But that's often like I'll have a day where I'll watch two or three and then don't watch any for a couple, you know. Or yeah. if I'm traveling, not that I have been, but I was in quarantine twice this year. So that helped. Right. Actually, it's funny you should say that because one of my big goals uh, for 2021 I, that I failed at was I wanted to move a day this year. You're only half, you're uh, half, you're you're only half three through the year, man. You can catch up. Yeah, I could try. Uh, man, I love, because the thing is, I do love them. I think it's, on, this again, maybe just speaks to the way that we're consuming media now that it's like, it's like, uh, I'm always, af- I'm always afraid I'm going to fall asleep or something, you know? So it's like, by the time you carve it out, you want to watch something that's shorter, you know? And then you end up watching four episodes or five episodes. And you're like, why didn't I just watch something that was two hours long? Or just, <laughs> just treat, here's the thing. I've gotten better at, you know, the, this was more just like the, the necessary evil of having kids uh, and wanting to watch movies with my wife. Just accepting that fact that sometimes I'm not going to be able to watch a movie all the way straight through. So I've mm-hmm. gotten to the point where now I'm just like, you know, most movies, you know, when they have some kind of a formula, usually have a good, mid, you know, oh, that's the midpoint. So now I'm better going, oh, you know, it's okay. We'll watch a movie over the course of two nights. Uh, and, and you know, that's a way to do it too. Watch, watch something shorter and then maybe start a longer piece, but don't finish it. Good idea. It's not a you bad know. idea. I, I, I do find, like, if I find myself starting to pass out while watching something, I will be like, okay, this is turning off and I'm going to bed as opposed to, trying to force myself to half watch it while I'm half asleep. I try to. Like I, I had a lot of friends, like when Irishman came out, they're like, Oh, I don't want to watch a four hour movie. I said, treat it like it's four, a four, one hour, four episodes of a one hour miniseries, and you'll watch it. And you'll probably watch it all in one night. If you go into it with permission to tell yourself, you can turn it off after an hour. You'll keep watching. I watched it in one sitting. I don't know. I like a long movie though. That's the thing. I could, as I said, even this one, I could have done, I could have done another, I could have easily done another 30 minutes. Well, it's just stuff. because, because the movie doesn't feel like it's even two hours long. Cause it's a good movie because it flows along, right? Like you're not aware of the time passing. And that's true of anything like a four hour movie that doesn't feel like a, that where every scene needs to be there and flow. It never mm-hmm. feels like a four hour movie. Unless you your know bladder, what? unless your bladder kicks in. That's right. And actually, uh, you know, like it or don't like it, but I felt that way when I watched uh, The Aviator, actually. I was like, I could have watched that movie for another hour and a half easily. And uh, I don't know, maybe I was just going through a historical biopic phase. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was so into that film. I was like, man, this could have been a three season arc for me or something, <laughs> you know, but, you know, that's how that goes. Yeah. So final biopics. Sorry. What's that? I was going to say, speaking of historical biopics, definitely check out Black Book from 2006, which is a correction from the beginning. I said it was 2013, but uh, that's a fucking great war movie based on true story from this director. So, is it okay. in English that movie? Uh, it's not in English. No, it's that's a, I, I thought it's it was in German. A, I believe. 
is in German? Um, I think, well, it's, it's various languages from Europe, but uh, mostly German, from what I, from what I remember, mm. I think. Anyway, good nice. movie. I'll, yeah, I, haven't, sure. I haven't seen that other. So final thoughts on uh, Total Recall. I'm so glad that it stood up for you, Justin, that, or Jafari, sorry, uh, Nicholas. Oh, man, I loved it. I, I, I loved it. I'm still thinking about one line. Uh, 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 you, are, you are what you do. Yeah. And I keep thinking, when I thought about that line, like, you not, you know, when, when there, even that whole debate of self, you know, was like, are, is he Hauser though? Is he Hauser? Or if he doesn't remember being Hauser? Like, that's such well, that's, a crazy that's like, that's, I mean, that's, that comes from Quato, who is like our, our, you know, Yoda type character in this movie. But that's his, like, he provides, that's the theme, right? You are what yeah. you do. So whether he was Hauser or Quaid, it's the choice he makes. It's who he chooses to be in the end that matters. Oh my gosh, it is a fake. It is a dream. Quado is basically Quaid. Quado, uh, Quado. Might be a stretch, but oh, that's that's not that's that's a stretch of all the theories. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's, that's, that's where you lose, Justin. Uh, I'm like, messing with you, man. No, 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 just kidding. If no, that's just, your interpretation, by all means. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, <laughs> it's such an interesting question. Oh, I, I would be I would be remiss to not mention the twins crossover. With the guy who was the host for Quato, is Webster oh, Marshall Bell? Yeah, Rosemary Dunsmore is also in Twins, I believe. She's in another Arnold movie from '88. I think it was Twins. Oh my God! She, she has another small part. I don't know Massive. if that's a coincidence, but they're they're a shared universe. Um, I'm just kidding. But uh, okay, so anyway, uh, yeah. Final impressions. You know, I, I really love the movie. I did. To be honest, I didn't think I would. Um, I don't know why. I guess I, it goes back to your question you asked before about why did I not watch it? I just, it just looked like a movie I wouldn't like. And it turns out, like, I loved it. But I wonder if I would have loved it as a kid, maybe for the, I did. For, the, for the kid moments. But, like, yeah, but, like, I, you know, I, I was really into that movie. Yeah, I would fully recommend. I can't believe I'm going to walk around telling people, have you seen Total Recall? It's a, you know, it's a 30-year-old <laughs> film, but, uh, you know. So good. Yeah, I loved it as a kid. I saw it countless times. Oh yeah, part of the great trilogy of uh, of Rob- well, not really a trilogy, but Robocop, this, and Starship Troopers were like go tos for me all the time, among yeah. other films. But but I love those three movies so much. All right, well, I will set up a time to watch uh, Starship Troopers. I'm the virgin, so I can we can assemble a group and uh, and make that happen because it's definitely one of my big. Well, black I mean, holes. Nick, Nick hasn't seen it either, so that's true. Uh, Bring him back in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we can try to do a, a reconnection on this one. Well, no, I'll, I'll just I'll text Casper Van Dien see if he wants to. I, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad I had to talk about Starship Troopers three. See what nice. it's, it's, it's actually solid. It's it's uh, not a bad movie. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm just glad I have an, an, an excuse to rewatch this. I picked up the Blu-ray years ago uh, on a sale, mm-hmm. and then I hadn't popped it in, so I was glad to to revisit it. Did you peel the plastic off today? No, I always peel the plastic off when I get it. Oh, okay, okay. Because that's part of the ritual. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, yeah you, have to, you have to take the plastic off so you can't return it. Yes. I would never return it anyway. I don't return movies. Oh, okay. um, uh, so, yeah, so I was glad to pop it in. And, and really and loved rewatching it with my son and just you know getting able to revisit it through his eyes for the first time was so fun yeah, did he enjoy it and we didn't really ask i know that we're trying to wrap it up here but just as a final thought there like oh, how he loved it, it he loved him? it he's like it's so weird but i really liked it he's like there's so much cooler he just he's like it's, it's 
he's walking away the way I would hope he would, where he's going to think it's going to be, it's going to stick with him and he's going to think about it. And he's probably going to like, when he talks to his friends tomorrow, he's going to be like, I saw this movie, Total Recall. Have you ever seen it? Like he's going to go off and become an ambassador for this film and get other like kids his age to, to check it out. (laughs) It's starting this really, uh, this really old movie starring Colin Farrell. <laughs> oh god! Oh, the funny thing is, it's I guess that's old. it's less. No, that's less than ten it years is, old. It is. It's nine years old now. The remake is nine years old already. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's scary. I'm, it feels so old. Anyway, for those uh, for those who want to watch the remake, I believe it is on Netflix. But uh, it's not terrible. It really isn't. It's just. I think I did yeah. see it, but I don't remember much about it. Uh, well, it's certainly yeah. not the original. That's for no. sure. Well, it can't be. It just won't ever be, right? It's just that this one just has so much nostalgia wrapped up in it. And there was it. also a TV series, too, Total Recall 2070, which I watched like three episodes of as a kid. And oh, remember. that I don't think I was aware of. Don't remember anything else about it. Uh, the fir- uh, uh, to close the circle on that, the first time I was ever on a film set where I wasn't just observing, I uh, was an extra on Total Recall 2070. Holy shit. Jesus. Yeah, my uncle was a, was a, was a camera operator. So he's like, so hey, do you want to come out and check this out? You know, I was, I was a would-be actor. experience was to, a Total Recall 27. Yeah, that was my first experience. And yet you didn't think, I'm going to watch Total Recall. Like <laughs> As a glorified oh, extra? You didn't do your research? Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't mean actually, research for the part. I mean, like, you... Yeah, no, actually, with you somehow. It's yeah, no, I, I remembered that it was based on a movie, but I guess I don't know. Uh, actually, the one of the funniest quotes ever was on that film. So, uh, uh, a, a gentleman who was a, a career extra had pulled me aside and he was telling me, he's like, just telling him I was just going to start theater school and all, all this kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, he's like, don't listen. He's like, theater school is not important. Don't listen to your teachers. I was the worst actor in my acting class is what he said to me. I'm the, was the worst actor in my acting class. And now I've been in 170 movies <laughs> and never had a line. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't being ironic about it at all. He was really telling me that this is, and I thought to myself, Oh my God, what a terrible career choice this is going to be, you know? Um, <laughs> and I, verdict's still out whether or not it's a terrible choice or not. But uh, yeah, it was, that was one of the, that was the first acting advice maybe I received too, was on that set, so. Just shut up and be in the background, kid. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> settle for, settle for less. But he, he seemed to feel like his, all the other actors in his class were failures, that he had really made it. I mean, I mean they all were. It's possible none of them did anything and he's the only one still working. Yeah, and, and quite he, honestly, if he's making a living doing it, then that's amazing too. Hey, no shame to him, yeah. man. You know, it's, it's all depending on what your level of success is, right? You, everyone defines their own level of success. As as to bring it back around to Quattro, it's not what you it's what you do, right? That matters, right? Right. And he's out there living the dream. He's out there living his dream, and he's happy. I feel like Quattro would be like if Quattro was wearing a little suit and was drinking a martini, he'd be calling himself Quattro. <laughs> yeah, like Quattro. The, sorry, Quattro. <laughs> Quattro. Well, actually, wait a second. There you go. There, there, there's a way to burst your bubble of the of the capitalist uh, uh, criticism. There, if uh, if you know if you aren't who you are, you are what you do. What 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 Verhoeven's really saying is that your profession, what you give to the world, how much you earn, and how product uh, how much productivity you show, is your true value. <laughs> 
He's saying what? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to go anti. Yeah, no, I get it. capitalist for you. Trying to break the bubble. Like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me for this movie. No problem. It Honestly, time. yeah, this was really, really good. Thanks for uh, listening to me babble about it afterward too. It was great. <laughs> Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for Total Recall. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get our